We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little bit about uh, yesterday's slate, pretty garbage slate, and then uh, talk a little bit about uh, today's slate, depending on we got news or whatever. How many games we got? One, two. We got way too many games, right? Something's going to happen, right? We got one, two, three at 7.30. Then we got three, four, five, four at eight, one at nine, one at 10. Okay, so not as many late games, but whatever you expect to happen is never going to happen. I mean, that's just it's NBA DFS. I mean, I mean, today we got the Spurs. Apparently everyone's sitting on the Spurs or something. We have uh, DeRozan's out, Keldon Johnson's, I don't know. Did he leave? Is he dead? Big body Johnson as they call them on crunch time, if you're a premium member. Uh, so there'll be a lot of spurs. And you know you know, you know, know what we love when it, when it comes to NBA DFS is pop, right? Popovich, right? Oh, okay. Spurs truck, what could go wrong there? Everything. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. I see in the YouTube chat, I see you people in the YouTube chat. You know, you're my favorites. You're better than the podcast people. The podcast people, they download and they listen to it later. They're not here live interacting, either either posting your questions, yelling at me, talking to one another. So I see you guys out there, Ricard fan, Go Sox Bro, Rob B, Daniel Hutchings, Jupocalypse, Jason Robinson, Ronald Coley, first round exit, Matt Mears, Meet Plow. Of course, always our favorite, Mr. Plow. Mr. Plow is here. Uh, so, uh, so hit that thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up, the thummy thumbs. Keep my apple juice cold. I'm going to have plenty of apple juice for the next couple of weeks. Like we got too much, almost too, too much apple juice and mix. It's a mix of brands. So like I got some Minute Maid and also got some Kroger brand. I don't know. I don't know why that ended up happening. When you, when you do the, the, the online ordering at, at like a supermarket like that, like Kroger, like that, you, you have to check on like if, if you allow substitutions. And then they'll just choose whatever the, whatever the hell they find, whatever. So apparently my wife uses the substitutions checkbox on the Minute Maid apple juice because then some of it is Kroger apple juice. It doesn't matter. I can't tell the difference. 
But uh, but there's plenty of apple juice. Keep it cold. Hitting the thumbs up button. Hitting the subscribe button if you're new here. Hitting the notification bell to know when we go live. I go live every weekday, 11 a.m. in the morning Eastern time. But uh, we also got Gr- uh, Grinders Live tonight. Grinders Live is at uh, it's going to be at six, which is it's always 90 minutes before the the main slate on both sites. And then uh, then right after that is for premium members. Crunch Time. That's a premium show that you could listen and watch on the Roto Grinders website as well as the Roto Grinders app uh, and sign up for premium. Premium! Premium! Sign up uh, with the link in the description, rotogrinders.com slash premium. Get $10 off your first month, whether it be an NBA only subscription or a combo. You get everything other than NASCAR all together, all in one. We got soccer today. You want to play soccer? We got soccer projections. You want to play golf? We got the golf stuff. We got Noto and Tambo and cards. They do all the golf stuff. We got we got every we got everything here. At the LOL, there's got to be LOL projections or something. There's, everything you could ever want is at Roto Grinder. So get ten dollars off your first month with the link in the description below. Uh, but yesterday, yesterday was not a good day. I just could have briefly flash. I there was a it was a pretty bad day. Uh, did fine on Yahoo, but basically just got cry, like Fandel finally getting crushed on FanDuel, just a 95% loss, right? Because on FanDuel, I uh, didn't have Harden or Giannis. So that's like, that you lost. That's it. You're done. You're done. DraftKings had both, but not the, not the, not the right value plays. And then Yahoo, I had both. So there, there you go. So, so it was, it was a big losing day, but that's, that's the break to go up and down, right? That's the cycle of life. You know, you go up, 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 you go down, 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 you go up, you know, as long as you're trending in the right direction, uh, it should be fine by, 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 by the end of the season. But yesterday we had, I mean, like to start the day, I mean, the, the value yesterday, the value, I'm using that in quotes. The value was uh, was not, not exciting, right? It's like, uh, okay, I guess we're playing, I guess we're playing the Mavericks again with the Porzingis sitting. I guess, oh, Svee, Svee starting for the Pistons. And then like DSJ started, but you could have played Saban Lee off the bench, right? He was probably a better, you know, he projected better off the bench without without the usage in the starting unit. Uh, and uh, it's Dennis Smith Jr. How, how many minutes is he going to actually play even if he's starting? So he got that. And then, then we had the Shake Milton was back and then Seth Curry was ruled out. So like Shake Milton became more of an option. Aminu was starting. He doesn't really do all that much. So like nothing, James Johnson started. Right, we had the what are we gonna do with Powell and Callie Stein because Kleber's out also, and then James Johnson started, then Jeff Green got ruled out, so that meant that DeAndre Jordan could actually see a couple of more minutes. He hasn't he hasn't been playing as much uh, with Jeff playing small with the Green at the five, so that upgraded him a bit. Uh, so I mean, a, a lot of a lot of stuff that happened in between, like five thirty and seven o'clock, eight o'clock, whatever. When did it lock? It was an early lock, right? So, I mean, especially with the val the value being quite thin or suspect, why not take a shot on those types of guys? I mean, I think if we would have known a lot of that information beforehand, Svee would have been a little bit more owned. James Johnson would have been a little bit more owned. DeAndre Jordan would have been a little bit more owned. I think Willie Cauley-Stein was projected well earlier in the day, and then once the lineup came out that that Powell was starting, uh, he went down. But he still, he still ended up around 12% owned. But I mean, but for the most part, most of the builds, you can see from the, the ownership and the finger roll were stars and scrubs, which is always, which is always a little bit suspect when, you know, you look at the, you look at the values and you're like, you're playing Svee and Saban Lee and Shake Milton. And like, you're, you're hoping to get 20 points out of them. And even then, you like you need the studs to smash. Now, obviously, Harden and Giannis smashed, but like like Hardway didn't really get there, right? I mean, he was cheap enough to twenty one. I mean, for raw points wise, for that price, I guess you got it. Like Jared Allen killed, but like Aminu didn't do that well. Herder actually did for five k. He was a little bit more popular than I thought he would be. It was a weak, uh, small forward position. 
you're not playing Hardaway. If you're going stars and scrubs, a lot of times you were you were playing in that forty five hundred to five k range to, to grab an extra guy. So I understand the Herder uh, play there, or you play like a Garland. Yeah, I get it. But then you couldn't like fit in DeAndre Jordan because you, you're playing like Dwight Powell, and Dwight Powell ended up scoring. Dwight Powell had ugh, six points or something, right? Right here you go, twenty four percent on with six point five. So if you just avoided Powell, you had a pretty good shot. I mean, you could even see here amongst, uh, you know, I pulled out a bunch of 150 maxers. Ones that placed the lineup somewhere, somewhere high. And for the most part, I mean, yes, I mean, Powell was in, was in, right? 36%, 32%, 31%, 19, 23, 14, 33, nine. But not like not a lock button by any extent. I mean, Powell was okay. I mean, projected okay for, yeah, he was minimum price, but minutes are suspect and obviously he has barely any usage when he's on the court with, with Luca. But it's not like people didn't play him. Like stuff like this with Svi. Like obviously I can understand 150 max type players, multi-entry players, which I used to do. I used to do 60, 80, 100 lineups. Now I'm playing the single entry, smaller field stuff. I can understand that we get news that, you know, the Pistons lineup comes out and not as many people will react to it. Does it make me like a great play? No, it's not a smash button type of thing, but had we known this information earlier, instead of being 22% owned, he would have been like 30% owned. So you get a little bit, you get arbitrage there of taking advantage of the news before the rest of the field will. You could say the same thing with James Johnson, right? You kind of knew that earlier in the day. It would be like, okay, I guess James Johnson's going to be be a value punt power forward. Now, obviously, before the news, he would have no, been nowhere near 13% owned. He would have been like 1% owned, if that. But jumping on that train, obviously, RBX 88 had zero. JK 123 had zero. Score Patrol had 1, 1%. But I always say that I'm more likely to err on the side of going overboard on late news, even if it's not after lock, even if it's right before lock, a half an hour, the closer it gets to lock. What's the difference between Zvi and Saban Lee? Obviously, Saban Lee scored more points. What's the difference between him and Shake Milton and Alpha Rukaminu and James Johnson and Josh Jackson, and I mean, I could let Danilo Gallinari. I mean, he's six and a half points. I was up with that. Like, what's the difference? Not as not as big as you think. So, if more people are be are, are going to be putting in, you know, Dwight Powell in the cheap center spot. I saw here, like, who used Baines? Right, like a hubro. Like Baines was like five percent owned. Not that like not like Baines is a great play. He scored twenty points. But he's a he's just a couple of hundred bucks more than Powell, and what makes what makes Powell and Baines any different from one another? Guys that start and barely do anything, right? I mean, it, it, but the same same type of role. So Powell's going to be twenty four percent owned, and Baines is going to be five percent owned. Find leverage there. Are you that scared of Dwight Powell breaking the slate? Maybe, maybe not. But when these values are, are suspect, I'm more likely to go towards the late news. We knew uh, Porzingis was going to be out earlier in the day. We knew that. You woke up in the morning, we, we 1.30 in the afternoon, you knew that. So everyone was prepping the Hardaways, the Hardaways and Lucas and Richardsons and Dorian Finney-Smiths, whoever on the Mavericks. But like, how do we know all this other information? Then you'd be like, oh, I, gu I guess it's Chuck James Johnson day. I guess it's Chuck's V day. I mean, V ended up somewhat chalky, but not necessarily James Johnson, and DeAndre Jordan. Like that Jeff Green news came out like 15 minutes before lock. Does it mean, does it, does it mean it made DeAndre Jordan a great play? No, of course not. He projected better. Give him more opportunities for minutes. Yeah, sure. 28 points, okay. It's fine, but you could see RBX, Encore Field AK, Rinpak, 
But even like even like Duda, even some other guys, uh, Squirrel Patrol, fourteen percent. Like DeAndre Jordan was probably not even in like any of these players' player pools. Like it didn't show up in any zero lineups until the news. But then be more inclined to only going to be twelve percent owned. Probably should be twenty two percent owned. And play more lineups like that. Same for James Johnson, and reduce your exposure on a Hardaway, on Dwight Powell, on Al Farouk Aminu. How did he get to these 16% though? I don't know. You, you, needed, you needed some cheap punts to jam in Harden and Giannis or like Irving Harden and Giannis. Like that, that, that was the construction. But you could see here just by looking through Results DB, Results DB, which is free. You don't even have to be a premium member. It's free, rotogrinders.com slash Results DB. You could look through any contest you want. I'm looking through the big, large field GPP. It's only for DraftKings, by the way. Okay, DraftKings offers downloadable CSVs for the contests and publicly, so we, we could download all of them. So that's why results TV, just for DraftKings, not for FanDuel. FanDuel doesn't do that. Complain to them. But you could go through it and you could look. You could see different contests, contests that you play. But I like studying the lineup construction dynamics of you know, the best players in the world, the best GPP players in the world. Where did they find leverage? Look at Squirrel Patrol. He said, screw it. I'm not going to play any saving lane. No, no saving lane in my lineups, right? Play a lot more Jared Allen, which obviously got him there. But obviously, if you're not playing a 27% zone, I think that's that's the main reason. I mean, look, Alfa Gaminu, zero. Herder, zero. Garland, James Johnson, 1%. He played 100% Dean Wade with 15 points. Well, that didn't get him there. But Dean Wade, that, that was late news, right? He was going to start the Cavs. Torian Prince was out, and they started Wade in the lineup. But what's what's the difference between Wade and any of these other guys? Saban Lee and Zvig and Shake and really not, not, not that much. Maybe, what, a half a point in projection? A point in projection? It doesn't... Dean Wade was probably was was less projected, yes, but not that not dramatically. A point, maybe. So why play why play a guy that's twenty seven percent owned versus the guy that's eight percent owned? That's that. I mean, that's the logic behind it. Of like, is there that dramatic of a difference? And then by playing Dean Wade in every lineup, obviously you now you have a higher risk strategy, a higher risk. You know, your diversification is low. It's like. You live and die by Dean Wade. Do you want? Do you want that? If you don't mind it, you can. But having an eight percent on Dean Wade in the lineup means that you could just okay, Harden, Hardaway, Giannis, Svee, Al. I mean, just basically play a lot of the like the chalk. And you can see up here, most of his lineups contained, you know, a lot of the the chalkier players on the slate. But got away from some of the the. What could have been considered suspect values? Players that projected okay for their price, they were good, but not dramatically so that you know people were treating treating them as that they'll be a little overowned. So I get it. I mean, it didn't. The score patrol didn't get there. No, it didn't. It didn't work, right? Saved Lee for thirty two hundred at thirty four points. He put up uh, what 10, 10, 11 x. So like that locked that locks War Patrol out of out of getting a getting a winning lineup. But I understand it. But you can see he's the only one that did that. He's the only one that went significantly under. That had no saving Lee lineups. Just like, nope, I'm not gonna deal with it. But you see uh, Neil Corfield, right? Eight percent. JK 123, 13%. But then you see due to life, 40%. Okay. Build more lineups with that, but less lineups with Powell. Right? More lineups with Lee, less lineups with Powell. JK123, less lineups with Lee, more with Powell. Well, that didn't work out. But played a lot of V and Shake Milton. And go down here, still Dean Wade, more Damian Lillard paying up at guard. Randall, it was 6% owned, 19%. Baines over Powell. Okay, I get that. Bobby Portis even, right? Bobby, but he's got 33 and a half points. 
Furkan Korkmaz, right? He, oh, Korkmaz started. So we have that also. So like you look down here. Yeah, some, 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 some of these guys didn't. We see here, let's see, I'll scroll back up. Yeah, we got JK123 and uh, Squirrel Patrol. And then still, some other guys, you know, had a little at 2%. They put up 32 points. Late news. Corkmas is starting. Okay. It could have gone horribly wrong. I mean, look, Powell starting, dead. Zvi's starting. Okay. Dean Wade is starting. Dean Wade. Dean Wade is starting. Dead. It's not about choosing a great player. It's just a matter of introducing leverage into your lineup. That's, you know, if you could get, if you could build a lineup that doesn't have Saban Lee or Zvi in it, and it projects nearly as well, which it probably could have, because it's not like they projected like absurdly. You're eliminating 27 plus 21, 48 to 49% of ownership in your lineup. And you could and you could go and you take you could take a four to eight percent on guy. Take two of those guys. You lose the ownership. Your projection isn't all that different. A point, a point and a half. So you, that's why you use results DB to see what type of lineup constructions did, did these players make. Like Brick didn't play any DB. Okay, didn't build lineups with him at all. But played Bruce Brown, who got forty points. Or Colin Sexton, who got 38 points. Jalen Brown, Julius Randle. So a little bit a little bit more balance builds. Because you can see here, Harden, 38%. Giannis, 32%. Irving, 30%. So he built more lineups where it had like one stud and then mid-range. They had Jokic. Okay, there, there's, there's, a, there's a leverage pivot. In a way, if you want to call it that. But this is what I do to look at what types of constructions. Not the plays, not the, did they go over or under? Just because they went over on this, that means most of their lineups looked like X. Some of their lineups look like Y. Some of their lineups look like Z. And seeing that, and I could, I could just, I could visualize it through the exposures. Cheap power forward, okay. Cheap power forward, cheap center. Then you have Giannis and Arden and Irving in the guard spots, right? And Giannis in the whatever, one of the forward spots. You go, okay. That's how a lot of the lineups were. And then obviously the cash lineup was somewhere around here, right? And towards the top, pick eight guys that make sense over here. And you can see what the chalk construction is. And how did you get away from the chalk construction? Did you keep the construction and just change, you know, 2v2, 3v3 between some of the players? Or did you go to a different construction? That's what I like seeing in results DB. This is how you should be reviewing, reviewing your play in GPP. It's not about who, did you get the players right? Did you make similar choices as some of the most profitable players in the game? But you're not going to win. You're going to lose 90% of the time, okay, in GPP. So most of the time you're looking at top players and they lost. But if you said, if I'm, can I change? Can, can these top players make my choices for me? If you said yes, well, this is what they did. So that's why studying top players, it helps you. It helps, I mean, that, that's how you learn. Don't immediately go into the next slate. Oh, who cares about yesterday? Right. It's called daily fantasy sports. Right. That's what Dean would say. We don't live in the past. Why not? You could learn from the past. So you don't, you have to learn from history. So you, so it doesn't repeat itself. Especially in NBA DFS. What you're going to need to wait until an hour before lock just to see any of the chaos that happens on the injury reports and who's going to play, who's questionable, who's whatever. So instead of wasting your time at, at 11.22 a.m. Worried about lineups. What Spurs? Oh, my God. Oh, what's, oh, I need to jam in the Spurs. Review yesterday's slate. 15 minutes. Something. 
it'll be helpful. So looking through the YouTube chat. Let's see, YouTube chat. Meet Plow, Mr. Plow. Do you think setting a 60% max for any one player during the larger slates or 70% in smaller slates is helpful in avoiding player busting or getting injury? Well, that's just a matter of diversification. It's a matter of risk tolerance. There's no strategy. If you don't want to take that risk, then fine. If you're like, oh, I, don't, I can't be 100% on a guy because if he gets hurt, then all my lineups are dead. Well, also understand that, like, is, is today the last day of DFS? Is there no more DFS after today? If you're locked in the guy and all your lineups are dead, does that mean, like, you, you're done with DFS? If you're playing within your bankroll, if you've already allocated a small percentage every day, progressively, you don't, so what? So all your lineups are dead. Then tomorrow's another day. But if you want to mitigate, if you want to uh, lower your risk, sacrifice a little EV for the, the, the peace of mind or less variance. So the swings go less than, you know, they don't go like this. They go like this. Then, yeah. Sure, why not? You don't have, you don't make good lineups. They make sometimes you can make a hundred lineups and they all contain the one of the same player. Sometimes there are ninety five out of a hundred, and then you have to choose. Like, would I rather would I rather have ten of these types of lineups or ten of those types of lineups or twenty of those types of lineups? Just hundreds or thousands of lineups for you to choose from, many of which are plus EV. Which ones do you choose? Do you want to choose all? Do I want to choose all of the Tim Hardaway Jr. lineups? Well, you could. If we played the slate out a million times, it would be the same as you playing no. Uh, I'm going to play none of the t- Tim Hardaway Jr. lineups. You played it a million times. You're both going to come out to the same thing. So do you play THA? Do you not play THA? It doesn't matter. In the lineup, as long as the lineup's good, who cares? Mathematically, it goes together. There you go. You have THJ in there. And you could find another lineup that doesn't have THJ. And they could all both have the same mathematical expectancy or similar, very close, virtually the same. And have different players in it. So if you're if you're building 20 lineups, and let's say you could find a hundred. Let's say, oh, I could build a hundred. Some have THJ and some don't have THJ. So it's just a matter of what 20 do you want to choose? You can choose all 20 THJ lineups. We've 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 established that these hundred lineups are about are about equal to each other. Close enough. Which 20 do I play out of them? Do I play the top 20 regardless, even if it's a 0.1 difference? Yeah, you could. Yeah. That would that would be the high. If we play this slide a million times, that would show the highest expectation. The top 20. But the difference is between if we played it out a million times the returns would not be that, that dramatic anyway. So do you want to sacrifice this little, this little part of EV? Sacrifice a little bit, a little bit, a little nibble of expected value and have much more diversification in your lineups. And that's that's what a lot of top players do. They're playing high volume, right? Thousands of slate, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands per slate. You go all in on people, you go heavily on people, your, your swings are going to be massive. And some higher stakes, high volume players don't mind the swings. Some, some mitigate the swings by being a little bit more balanced diversification-wise in GPPs. Brick 75, like right here, like no one, like its highest was 58% for James Johnson. So he had a lot of players in his pool. He used a lot of different constructions. It's unlikely that when he puts in 150 lineups that he's going to get zero back. But also it's not going to be where you put in 150 lineups and you could get 10 of your lineups in the top 20 because they're not correlated to each other as much. But that's a matter of diversification. That's a matter of risk tolerance. That has nothing to do with strategy. Okay, I found a lineup that's plus EV. Now I found another lineup that's plus EV. I found another lineup that's plus EV. 
How many are you playing? I'm playing 50. So I'll so find 50 of them. But what happens if what happens if the same guys in all 50? Well, then you can still play it. Just understand that if that guy bombs, all your lineups are dead. If that guy does well, all your lineups could be great. You could win first, third, seventh. You could win a ton of money. So you can see barbell. When you're less diversified, your swings are going to be bigger. When you're more diversified, your swings will be smaller. Which one is better? There's no better. The journey, the end is going to equal the same. It's going to be the same at the end. After, but the end in the long run is like 47 lifetimes of yours. You're not going to hit, you're never going to hit that. You're going to be dead by the time that happens. So would you rather sacrifice the little EV in order to not go broke or not have less, have less swings? The less percent of your bankroll that you're playing on GPPs, the more risky you could be. Playing a half a percent or something, and okay, I bomb all my lineups. Okay, I lost a half a percent on the day. The stock market lost four times as much yesterday in your stock portfolio. And it'll come back up. It'll do whatever. So a half a percent, a percent, is not that big of a deal. You're playing 10% of your bankroll? Well, maybe, maybe you want to be more diversified. I mean, you don't have to be, but now you, your risk of ruin is higher. Are you willing to take that risk? If you are, then good. So be it. Go. Have fun. It's fine. Hopefully you have an, enough of an edge to survive. Get lucky in a way that, you know, you, you hit big early. But that's, that's, that's the reasoning behind this. It has nothing to do with it's not like it has nothing to do with like I like this player. I want I'm gonna be hundred percent. I don't know if Score Patrol said I don't think he hit the luck button on Dean Wade. I think it just happened to come out that way. I think it happened to come out that like some of this value is suspect. 27% don't save in lean. Coming off the bench with minutes, who knows how many minutes he's gonna play. Patrol said, I don't want to have any part of it. I can find other people. I can find other constructions. Now, it was wrong. It ended up being wrong, but the mentality, the strategy of that type of line of construction makes absolute sense. Saban Lee had an X percent probability of smashing. And there are other players in the three to 4K range that not as high as him, but not like, not zero. So he decided that's what it seemed like. I don't know about the lock button of the Dean Wade, but I don't, I, I can't see, I, I don't know. I can't see him lock buttoning it. I could just see that he just showed up in a hundred percent alliance. Or it could have been one of those things where it's two minutes before lock and you're not finished, and it's just like whatever comes out on the next run, that's what I'm throwing in, and that's what ended up happening. <laughs> sometimes it just did, sometimes it's just you run out of time. I tried to get to the in, I tried to get this in, and I'm starting. Uh oh, I got a ton of Dean Wade. Actually, I got 100% of Dean Wade, and it's a minute to lock, and I need to upload my CSP. And, uh, and the game locked. It, it get, sometimes it's just that. Sometimes you see, you could go on Yahoo. And see, good players have, have like their dummy lineup. In. You'll see that once in a while on DraftKings or FanDuel. 150 of the same lineup with some like some two or three weird guys. Like, why are they in their lineup? They didn't upload a time. They didn't, you know, something. A lot of times in NBA, you're you're still switching out or whatever. But sometimes it's that. Let's go through the YouTube chat, YouTube chat, YouTube chat. Eric Smith, Blender for one slate. I want you to ignore projections and go with your gut. You got to know how good it feels to win with just your own judgment. It feels so empowering. It's not profitable. I don't care. I don't, I don't, I, I, I think people don't understand why I play DFS. I play DFS to make money. That's 
be all end all. If DFS was free, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever considered playing it. If DFS was just free games right now, I would no longer be a roto grind. I would no longer play. Maybe I'd be a roto grinders, but I tell you, I'm not playing tonight. I have no idea what's going on. There's no money on the line. There's no point in playing. Zero. There's zero. There's zero. It's a waste of time. Absolute, utterly waste of time. And then most likely, oh, almost definitely, I if DFS did not exist or any type of uh, any type of financial betting market, something, there's no way to make money on it. I'd never watch sports again. Other than soccer. So- soccer I'd watch. I wouldn't watch the Super Bowl probably, or maybe you'd throw it on. You'd be like, okay, who's in the Super Bowl this year? Okay, two teams. I don't know who the players are. Whatever. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for DFS, I. So the, what judgment? I don't care about. I care about making money. You're going to be building lineups based on your gut. Ninety percent of the people that play DFS are going to be building lineups based on no mathematical, any type of logic or any type of consistent strategy a plus ev approach and so there's an inefficiency in the market and i'm going to take advantage of that inefficiency just like in poker it's the same thing who plays poker for nothing poker is a game that involves bet imagine imagine playing a playing a game where the chips don't mean anything like what's the point why are we even playing what's the why are we wasting our time passing cards around because it's one because poker is one long game you can't just say we're going to play three hands of poker and whoever wins, it's like, no, well, now it's just luck. Am I going to get pocket aces this hand? I mean, like most likely I'm going to win, but over the course of 3 million hands, then we'll see who the better player is. So for me, I view this the same way. So do I go with my gut? I have no gut. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this for pride. I don't care about pride. I don't care about takes. People pat me on. Oh, go! You faded. Uh, thank you. Thanks for saying fade PJ Tucker. It's like I don't even know if I say, said the fade PJ Tucker. I just said he's going to be. He's the type of player that if he's chalky, like he could easily put up like no points. So if 25 percent of people are going to play him. Maybe, maybe consider non PJ Tucker constructions. Does it? Is that a take? No, that's just that's. It's a wide range of outcomes player that has a limited ceiling and he's going to be chalky. So it's like a volatile, it's a volatile asset that in and of itself likely has a limited chance of a 10 X score even. And going to be high, higher owned. That's all that matters. The PJ Tucker. I mean, you don't have to take the, I don't even have to know the name, the team, the anything. You just tell me that those characteristics, I'll be like, I'm going to be less likely to have that guy in my life. Less likely doesn't mean it's zero, but just less likely. Just like on that slate before, the power forward was just garbage. So that's why that's the reason why PJ Tucker was owned. Let's see. Right, Alex Santi got it right. Right, I'm 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 like Joey Kanish from Rounders. Right, LOL gut. I got three kids to feed. Exactly. Right? Oh, you going? Are you going out with the, you know, your glory and your pride? You know, all you're gonna beat, you're gonna make it big or whatever. Like my kids eat with the money I make, with the pots I push. Right? That's that's what it is. Oh, let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Oh, because I always scroll down and then it has to, I have to scroll back up again because the the way the YouTube pop-up box works. Let's see. Oh, Michael Papadopoulos. Hey, Jordan, any thoughts on the Spurs situation? Would you fade Deontay Murray tonight for small scale, small small field, single GPPs, 2K to 3K entries? How about the lower salary players? We don't know anything. Any thoughts? What do we know? We know nothing now. We don't know what the hell is going to change. Like right now, if I if I go in and build 20 lineups, 
just default, whatever, on DraftKings. This is just for, this is our 836 projection. I mean, who knows? Maybe I should update it. So right now we're getting what? Saban Lee, Patty, basically Mills, Walker, Murray, Looney. Ugh. Drew Eubanks is in three lineups. Right here. Drew, oh boy. We're going to see a lot of Spurs. It's a nine-game slate. Instead of thinking what to do with the Spurs, think of what to do with your constructions. I think that could be more useful. So, like, a lot of people, how this is what this is what average players think. They look at Lonnie Walker, right? He's 3,700. And they go... Okay, I'm going to fade Lonnie Walker, and I'm going to then go down to like go down to that range. So instead of playing Lonnie Walker, I'm going to play someone else in that range. They go and they go to PJ Tucker's there. PJ Tucker's in that range, right? Lonnie Walker's going to be chalk, so I'm going to play insert guy here that fits. I don't even know if there is. Is there is is there is there anyone? Anywhere in the range, we got Saban Lee, but he may be chalky also. Patty Mills, or you do that for Patty Mills. Let's at least go up to a, and I, I'm going to fade Patty Mills and I'm going to play Theo Maladon instead, right? Or something like that. Instead of thinking, well, don't think about like pivoting. Think of, you take a look at the lineups that we have here. How about a lineup that doesn't contain two, three K, two, two, 3K level players. So it's not a matter of, I'm going to fade Lonnie Walker for someone else at 3,700 or, or, or so. I'm going to fade Patty Mills and play someone else at 4,300 or so. Insta- I'm going to fade Saban Lee and play someone else at $3,800 or so. No, it's more of, how do I build a lineup that I, I'm not, I don't need to play a guy for 3,800 in the point guard spot? Because obviously this lineup has Jared Allen, LeBron James. So a more balanced build may not require you to have one, two, three players that are under 4K. Because that's what most of these lineups are. Lee, Mills, Walker, right? We're getting Mills, Walker, Saban Lee's in 19 out of of 20. We got Jason Tatum in a whole bunch of lineups. All of them. So there's one non-Saban Lee lineup. Let's take a look at it. That's still a Saban Lee, Saban Lee, Saban Lee. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Jalen Noel. Is there any big difference between Jalen Noel and some of the cheaper guys? No. But you're planning playing the same construction. So if you were to like, I'm going to fade Saban Lee. And or, no, this actually still has Saban Lee in it. Right? Where do we, Okay, here's one. There's Josh Hart. Here, here's a, here, this, this is more that, that one I'm talking about. So it does have Theo Maladon, but now this this lineup does not have LeBron James. This has John Wall, Josh Hart. A little bit different construction. Still has Jason Tatum in it. Now, if you take this again and go like, what if I don't even need to play Lonnie Walker? Then now you're playing an even more balanced lineup. So you don't even have Tatum or Allen. You have a little bit cheaper of a center, a little bit cheaper of a power forward. And you'd see what the projection is and the differences are. And maybe you could play plenty of lineups that still sacrifice projection, but you get a ton of ownership to go along with it, reduce reduction in ownership. And you play a more balanced lineup where instead of having to find a pivot for Lottie Walker, you're just playing a lineup that doesn't need a $3,700 player. You're naturally going to be different. Your construct your construction is be different, which means the, most likely your your two v two three v three is going to be completely different from other people. So that's that's what I mean by like 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 you don't pivot. That's what the lineup. This is what I mean by lineups not players. This is lineups not players. Oh, I like my lineup, and instead of that guy, I'm going to play another guy. Like that's not really the best way of thinking. Think in terms of eight player lineups. 
uh, onesies and twosies. I'm going to play this guy, then that guy, then this guy. Oh, I got this much left, so I'm playing LeBron. Like, no, look at this lineup and go, can this win? Can this win? Is this different? How could I get different? Still playing high, higher projected players. But you're more likely to do so by changing your construction rather than finding a $4,200 guy that, you know, projects for 22 points. You're probably going to sacrifice a lot of projection by doing that. But you could find another construction that doesn't require a $4,300 shooting guard. And maybe you can't. Maybe you do that and you go, any, any, any type of lineup I choose like that, are you playing single entry, small field? It's like any lineup I found like that, like I, I, the whole lineup, I need to sacrifice eight, 10 points unnecessarily. I could, I could still find good enough lineups that have Patty Mills in it that I'm not willing to sacrifice eight to 10 points on that specific slot and you decide to play. That's, that's more of the mindset that you should have than who do I play? Then, and have thinking in terms of the players, who do I play? Who do I fade? It's like, no, what, what lineups do I want to make? What types of constructions do I want to make? Do I want to make double double stud lineups? Do I want to make pay up a guard, go down at center type lineups? Because obviously, and then you find the players that fit those types of builds. So obviously, if you're if you're paying, if you're doing the the chalk construction today, as of now, as of eleven forty four. Five hours, six hours from now, this would all change. So, like, don't, it's a big slate. We don't know. But as of right now, you're paying down at guard and you're paying up at forward. Tatum, James, I mean, that's the construction. You're paying down at point guards, shooting guard, small forward. Paying up at power, at some forward position, two forward positions. As of now, can you make a construction that does the opposite? Paying down at forward and paying up at, at, at guard positions more. Not necessarily in both of them. And see how they stack up projection-wise and ownership-wise. If you find some that you're satisfied with, then you play them. Uh Alan Alexander, hey Blender, do you know a good source for getting starting lineup updates? RG notifications don't always post or send starting lineup notifications for each team. Uh, we typically do. We typically, I'm not on the news team. So, I mean, I get the notifications. I also have TweetDeck. So I have a second monitor. I have three monitors here. So I have TweetDeck and I have a basketball list that has beat writers and everything. So I'm like looking at it anyway. So you could do that. But that's obviously, there's a lot of garbage in there. Team accounts and whatever. Uh, we typically only send the starting lineup notifications if it's worthy to, if it's something that is, there's a change, right? Svi starting for the Pistons. We got it. We, I, we got a notification on that. James Johnson started for the Mavericks. Dean Wade started for the Cavaliers. Sometimes there may be an individual notification of so-and-so is going to start for whatever, you know. But a lot of times, like if the lineup is as expected, then there may not be a notification. But then you know if you don't get anything, that there's nothing, there's nothing to worry about. It's as as expected, I guess. But I mean, you can just use Twitter. Let's see. Uh, Uncrabby Cabby. That's a weird name. Uncrabby Cabby. Can you analyze the roster construction of the top single entry players, which are, it's still the same players. I always struggle with that type of construction to use on a per slate base. It's the same thing. Just you need more leverage in larger field contests. And in single entry contests, the chalk tends to be chalkier. There's no like, oh, the big single entry. It's the same. It's the same people pretty much. But I mean, the difference between the contests, like we could go, we could use lineup H, we could use uh, results DB. What's the big single entry contest? Like the Showtime or something. Six sixty seven Showtime. Okay, Compa let's compare that to the finger roll. 
I'll show you what I mean. Okay, the finger roll. Let's go to the to Showtime, which is a, a small field. It's $100 single entry, right? And let's go to the finger roll. Look at the ownership differences, right? Single entry, smaller field. You have to, you're going to side more with projection than you are with leverage. You don't need, you don't need as much leverage to build, you know, to beat 667 entries than 49,000 or 73,000, whatever it was. So Hard, while Harden was still the, the most owned player in the finger roll, he was the most owned player in the showtime, but he was 53% owned. Tim Hardaway was 44% owned. Dwight Powell was 39, 38% owned. So like whatever the chalk construction, it's even chalkier in single entry GPPs, smaller field stuff. So you could take advantage of that. Saban Lee at 27% owned is much different than Saban Lee at 38% owned. Same for Dwight Powell. And then you could look on the other side, like Evan Fournier. I'm not saying that these, these are good like plays. They're not good projected plays. But you get an ownership discount on a lot more players. Look at Julius Randle. 6% in the large field, but only 2% in the small field. If we sort by fantasy points. Look at Steph Curry. He was not even 1% owned in the showtime. Probably rightfully so, but I mean, you could see these differences here. You get a lot more. Bradley Beal was less than 1% owned in the showtime. If you, if you played him in the lineup, look, Toby Harris, 0.15% owned in single entry. Scored 46 points. If you just played him, and then built your lineup with like the best players. That great, you're done. There's so much more available leverage in the single entry small field stuff. But once you get that like one point or something, like you're done. Like if you're gonna go down, you're gonna play a Curry or Beal or one of those guys, and you know they're gonna be like one percent owned. The other seven spots, just you know, you press the optimize button. I mean, like just whatever. Play the best projected plays at that point. You're, you're good with a 1% on Steph Curry. But you could also view it from the perspective of who may be, who may, who would you consider fading because it's, they're over-owned. Do you think Tim Hardaway Jr. should be 44% owned? 31% owned, it's like, uh, may, maybe I play some of them. 44% owned when you're playing a single entry lineup, you're like, maybe that's how I decide to get leverage. Now, obviously, you're not going to know the exact ownerships before the slate locks. But our ownership projections here at Roto Grinders, which you can get if you're a premium member, hit the link in the description to get $10 off your first month. They're for the large, the ownership projections are for the large field stuff. So you have to like extrapolate. Well, if they're going to be this chalky, they're going to be a little bit more chalky there. And the, and the guys that at, in large field we project for 8% ownership may only be 2% owned in the in the small field contests. So you could judge your lineups based on that. But there's no reason to necessarily go over like lineups like, well, what did the what did the best players do? Like that they're, they're doing the same thing that they would do in the large field stuff. Just that their higher projected lineups are are going to be in something like the showtime. They're building 150 lineups and it's going to go progressively down, you know, leverage wise from there. Their 140th lineup is not going to be in the, the showtime. Their first line, their second line, based, based on projection, is going to be in those types of contests. Let's see. D Bills, how many cash lineups do I play? Only one across multiple? Or do you play 150 different ones in a double up? No, I just play one. What's the purpose of playing 150? Number one, I think that the multi-entry double-ups are some of the worst contests you could play in DFS. I don't play them, or rarely, sometimes. I did a couple of minutes before lock, and it's still a couple of hundred, and yeah, I'll throw in a couple of entries. But those multi-entry double-ups, 
Just avoid them like the plague. That I mean, I I don't I don't I I see no reason to play them. Yeah, if I, once I get up to twenty thousand, thirty thousand of volume in a in a in a, on a slate in cash, yeah, then maybe I have to maybe because that's the only way I can get that. But other than that, I I avoid them completely. You play the the play you play the most optimal lineup you can. And you played against as many opponents as you can. The most diversification that that would be the best way to go. So instead of playing 150 cash lineups into one cash contest, it's better to play one lineup into 150 different contests with different opponents if you can. 50 head-to-heads with 50 different opponents. Double-ups that have... Now, obviously, there's going to be overlap. There's going to be the same people in a lot of double-ups. But if you play in more double-ups, you'll get five different players, different users in here, and seven different users in there. So you're diversifying your portfolio. You're still only playing one lineup, but you're playing it in a lot of situations all at once. Let's see. Any last questions? Feel free to type them in the chat. People are, I like, I like that people come here and they answer the questions for me in the chat. Right? The regulars here. Sean A says, uh, or asks, is it too simplistic to say that the guys with the highest positive difference between smash percentage and percent and projected ownership are the best leverage plays? No, I don't think that is. I that it's yes, it is too simplistic, but the con the, the concept is correct. But I mean it's not a raw number, it's it's all in relation to the slate. But yes, if you if you wanted to use that as a blunt guide. Then that then that's what it would be. Guy that's 36% to smash and gonna be four percent owned. That's 32, right? If uh we we take a look here. So you have to relate it to the slate, because maybe I mean that maybe there are other guys that are even more. You're not you're rarely gonna find someone that's 36% to smash and only be four percent owned. We take a look here, we go by smash percentage, right? And we have ownership. This is, or don't even go by this. If you're watching this later, please. It's 11.55 in the morning. All these projections could change. People could be in, people could be out, who knows? But as of now, we take a look and like you go here, it's like, oh, Jason Tatum, 1936 versus these guys. Now, obviously they're different price ranges. So you can't compare them like apples to apples like that. But like Jared Allen at 13%. Jeremy Grant, 27, because you go 27, 9.8. So that's what, 17 or so difference? Trey Young, right? So yes, conceptually, you're right. Maybe you're going to find plenty of differences. Chris Paul. But it's all it's all in relation. You have to, you have to adjust for salary. So it's not just sorting by smash and doing this. But yes, if you... You, from a simplistic point of view, as a blunt guideline, if you just sorted by smash in lineup HQ and then look at pro- projected ownership and just see where it dips and go, oh, Tatum's lower than these guys. Oh, Trey Young is 7% and he comes up over here. Like if you just did that, that's fine. Or you do the opposite. You go by ownership and then you see anyone that's low. Right, you look and go. Oh, oh they're going to be owned. They're going to be owned. They're going to be owned. Oh, Theo Maladon is going to be owned, but comparison to the guys that are around them, Josh Hart seems to be owned, but compared to the guys around them, right? You look like this. Patrick Williams, based on our current ownership or whatever, could be owned, but less. I'd rather play Garland. I'd rather play Draymond Green, or you could just do that. But of course, we're just looking at players now. This is this is. This is the opposite approach just because, oh, I'm going to play that guy. Well, what do the lineups look like with that guy in? Maybe the lineups don't work out because of positional and, and salary. But if you look into like, oh, what would be a good leverage play or what would be a good spot to fade? Like, yeah, this is a blunt, blunt way to do so. But then it's more thinking if you're building a lot of lineups or you're building one lineup. I'm less likely to build a lineup with Maladon in it. 
I'm more likely to build a lineup with this guy in it. And then if you want to set your, you know, oh, I want to make sure not to have more than 10% the Omaladon lineups. Maybe you end up with zero. Who knows? But yes, you could you could use these these columns as as a blunt tool. And obviously it gets updated closer to locked, like ownership changes, projections change. So by doing this now, you know, early in the morning, or it, it, it you could get your process down. You, you could do all of this in 15 minutes. Probably less. I could do it in 10. Now, is it gonna be the most uh, is it gonna be the most thought out in 10 minutes? Probably not. So maybe do it in a half an hour. But you need to have a process where Okay, I'm identifying this. I'm identifying that. I'm running these types of lineups. I'm looking there. Oh, yeah, that's good. The only reason why I could do it in 10 minutes is just because I have more experience doing it than you. That's it. You could, you have to, number one, understand the concepts, and then apply them. Once you do that over and over and over and over and over again, and you're using the same tool that you've been using for years, like that's, I could do it in 10 minutes. I could show up for a slate 10 minutes before lock and build lineups. I could. It's, it would be better if I spent a little bit more time. If I said at 5.30 when the injury report comes out, okay, what should I expect? And then start from there. So a lot of times I'm spending 60 to 90 minutes in total. Not just plugging stuff in all the whole time, but just paying attention and thinking and strategizing and going, well, if I play these types of lineups, can I play those types of lineups? And, can I, and then monitoring the news. That's what I said yesterday. I said, once MLB comes comes back, it'll be so much calmer. So much like, okay. okay oh, okay. The, the, oh, the guy that normally bats eight is now leading off. Oh, okay. He's 3,200 and people are going to be jamming that guy in. I mean, like much more, much more relaxed. There's less unexpected, expected, unexpected stuff happening in MLB DFS. Going through the YouTube chat. Some more. Let's see. Let's see. I always have to scroll back. Always have to scroll back. People are talking amongst themselves. Why do I have to show up if people are going to talk amongst themselves? That's fine. Jenna Sandy says, hi, Blender. One thing stuck with me that you, what you've said. Take advantage of DFS players' overconfidence in their picks, right? I'm not confident in anything, right? I'm going to take advantage of people's, oh, this guy's going to smash. How do you know? There's a probability. Sure, okay, I guess so. Let's see, just scrolling through, scrolling through. People are just answering my questions. What's the point? Yeah, I'm okay. You guys could do the show then, right? You guys could do the show. Perfectly fine. But I like the fact that people are learning. People are helping out the newer people that, that come find find the YouTube channel, find the show, right, here, which I do every, I mean, I have no problem. I, I, I know a lot of times I'm answering the same questions over and over again. I know it seems, it seems like it's Groundhog Day sometimes. I know. But that's the point of this show. You show up. You ask questions, I have answers. We talk a little about yesterday's slate. We talked a little about today's slate. We go off on a little bit of tangents. It's, the show's for you. It's teaching time. It's, you know, morning, early morning. You get, you know, centered for your day, your DFS playing day. And, that, and that's what I'm here for. That, that's, that's the whole point of why I'm here. And if you want to understand like the more on the concepts that, that I'm talking about, get the... The theory of daily fantasy sports audio masterclass. It's it's my it's my course. Me and James McCool, we put it together. Fifteen hours. It's all the the, the concepts of the game theory concepts of, of DFS that apply to every sport. So if you're not getting the vernacular, you're not getting uh, you wouldn't need a reference guide, a little structured education, rather than piecing it all together. Just go to theoryofdfs.com and check it out. You can listen to it multiple times. M- many people say they listen to it over and over. Not, maybe not back to back. They listen to it, play a month later, listen to it again, play, listen to a chapter over. They watch one of these shows and go, 
yeah, I know he mentioned that type of thing in, in one of the, and then go back and listen to it. That's what it's for. That's what I'm here for. Teaching you how to play DFS better without lineups, not players. Play whoever you want and all that jazz. So that's why I'm here at 11 in the morning Easterns every weekday. That's where I am here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.